Welcome to the official podcast of Vertical Life Church. We are a non-denominational church located in Clio, Michigan. We exist to engage people where they are and lead them to becoming fully developed followers of Jesus Christ. We hope you are drawn into a deeper relationship with God through this podcast and pray that through the sermons you listen to here, your faith would grow. We are always excited to hear from those who are impacted by this ministry. And we encourage you to email us at contact at vlchurch.tv to share how God is using this ministry in your life. If you would like to support this ministry, you can do so online at www.vlchurch.tv forward slash give. Thank you for listening. We'll just kind of jump right in. Uh, just quickly, just as Jason uh, brought to you in the announcements, don't forget, we've got these cards at the VIP table. Uh, th- this one says Random Act of Love. We encourage you, beginning last week, to take some cards and throughout uh, this next month, pray about who God would lay on your heart to do something generous for and something nice for, and then do that generous thing and then hand them a card that, that says, this Random Act of Love was brought to you by Vertical Life Church, inviting them to come be a part of what God is doing. As well, on the the VIP table, we also have cards similar to this that just is a general invite. So if you have a friend or somebody you've been talking to and and they keep forgetting about coming with you to church, you can take that and give it to them, have them put it on their fridge or whatever the case is. And as a reminder, as another way to invite people to come. And uh, and so uh, we just invite you to do that. Um, My wife, my mother-in-law, and I guess by proxy myself have kind of entered this um, process of breeding dogs for the first time. Some of you might know this uh, about us, but, uh, you know, it, it wouldn't have been my first choice, but something that my wife has wanted to do for a very long time. And so we're now into the whole process. We've gone through the, the breeding part, and so we've, we've got that part down, and um, now it's on to expecting the puppies in a couple of months, hopefully, and then that whole process um, and, you know, my wife is trying to see if maybe she would like to do this as like a small business or something or the other. And usually after you do something for the first time, you get a real feeling that uh, this wasn't what it was cracked up to be. And, and maybe we won't or maybe we'll have 50 dogs in our backyard and, and ruin our neighborhood for everyone else. So we'll see. But uh, uh, we're, we're past the breeding phase. It's on to expecting the puppies. And when the puppies come, we're going to have to figure out how to do the shots and all the worming and and, and eventually how to wean these puppies uh, off of their mom to get them ready to be uh, sold, ready for their new families. It's a process uh, to get them ready. But hopefully, through this process, if we do our jobs well, really, if they do their jobs well, I'm just going to supervise, hopefully, um, unless I get sucked in. But if we do our jobs well, after a few short months, these uh, puppies will be ready to go to their new loving families who will love them and, in turn, uh, be loved back by them. Now, the goal of every breeder, I'm finding out, is not just to have the puppies, but you have to be able to nurture them to get them to the place where they're ready to go to their new family uh, so they can become part of someone else's family. It takes a process of time and investment. And as I was thinking about this and relating it to us as, as people, as, as uh, Christians uh, especially, or our people in general, uh, this is similar to us as humans. You know, I'd, m- many of you know that I have four children, and, and they're now at the point where 
every one of them have started school officially. So we have all of our kids in school. It's very an exciting thing. But as humans, part of having children is also uh, takes an investment uh, and time so that you can raise them, your children, to become part of someone else's family. I don't think we often think about that, but that's really the goal of parents. So you have a child, and you want to raise them to be a productive member of society so that one day they can have a family of their own. In the book of Genesis, God told uh, Adam, or God spoke over Adam whenever he created Adam and Eve. He said, for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and the two of them should join together and become one flesh, one new family. Two separate people from different families will come together to make a a brand new family. But before humans or before your children can walk down the aisle, they first have to begin to learn to walk. Right? They have to learn to walk. And, and again, with my four children, as I looked over uh, kind of the, the, the years that we've been raising these kids, you know, I see how now we've graduated from sippy cups to, to big kid cups, mostly. Uh, you know, dinner time does occasionally have a few spills where we have to break up the backup sippy cups. Can I get an amen from any parents in the house today? Yeah, but uh, over the years, I've noticed that as I've seen these kids grow up before my very eyes, I can remember when they were little, like little, little, like nursing little, where every three hours, sometimes two and a half to three hours, it would require them to, to be fed or to have a bottle. And without fail, it's like after the feeding also came a diaper change. I don't, I don't know what it is about the inner workings of the human body, but once the feeding happens, there's a diaper change. And uh, now we don't have to really wrestle with that too much, but there's something about the genders because my girls are fine, but my boys still, after they eat, have to, you know, you know go do their thing. I don't, I don't know what it is about that or not, but, um, you know, the boys, I guess, are, are slower learners than the girls. But uh, I can remember how I used to long for the days when they were little, as I was bottle feeding these kids when it was my turn, that they would begin to eat solid food. I mean, like, oh, do I got to shake this thing up again, mix this thing? Well, when, come on, they need to be, like, grow so they can feed themselves. And I was kind of ignorant back then because I didn't know that with solid food also came with transformations in the diaper, right? right? When, they're on the, when they're on the milk and they're feeding, I mean, it's tolerable. When they begin solid food, it's not so tolerable. And so, you know, I didn't know what I was actually asking for. But nonetheless... The bottle couldn't keep them full eventually as they began to grow. They need to branch out to cereal, and we would mix cereal in with the formula and, and, and begin to feed them. And then eventually they, that wasn't enough, so we had to feed them more foods, the foods that we would enjoy at mealtime. Now, we had this grinder. It was like the most amazing contraption. We would, we would make dinner for ourselves, and then we would just jam all the stuff, you know, the peas, the vegetables, the, the spaghetti, all that stuff into a grinder, and we would just grind it all up together, and we would feed them that. I don't know how they survived or how they even ate that stuff, but nonetheless, they, they made it after all. Um, but soon after that, they stopped being spoon-fed, and they took up their own spoon, and they took up their own fork, and they began to navigate how to eat corn and vegetables on the plate without knocking them all off of the table, you know, moving them all from one side of the plate to another. And as I reminisce about my own parenting experiences, I can see a correlation between the children growing up to the maturing process of my kids to what the maturing process of the Christian, of Jesus, or follower of Jesus Christ, the Christian should be. 
If you think about it, we would not expect a teenager or a grown adult to still be wearing diapers sitting in a high chair waiting for their bottle or to be spoon-fed unless there was something very, very wrong. We would expect that someone who had grown up, had matured, would be able to move on and, and be self-sustaining and self-sufficient. And so it's true, as followers of Jesus Christ, we should not expect a follower of Jesus Christ who's been walking with Jesus for some time to still require being spoon-fed from a jar or to have a bottle every three hours. And this is not just an issue in our day. This is an issue that goes back even to around the time of Christ. After the church had been unleashed in Acts chapter 2, we go several years with the disciples, you know, during persecution, setting up churches, missionary journeys, power and miracles on display. And we get to a point where the church has been around for a while now when we get to the book of Hebrews. And the writer of Hebrews, he's kind of breaking down the truth of who Christ is to those Jewish believers and, and those Jewish Christians who are having some struggle about what to really think and what to believe. And as he's breaking these truths down, he makes a statement about his desire to take them deeper. I want to take you deeper into who God is. I want to take you deeper into the things of God. But because of your spiritual maturity, the maturity of those he's writing to, he couldn't. Beginning in Hebrews chapter 5, verses 11 through 14, here's what the word of the Lord records. Beginning in verse 11, he says, there is much more. I want to pause right there. Somebody say much more. Much more. Do you know that the infinite God who created heaven and the earth, whose love is deeper, higher, purer, and greater than we could possibly define in all the words of the human language, has much more for you. Much more. The minute we begin to scratch the surface of our understanding of who God is, the minute we, get, we start to think, we understand this is who Jesus is, this is what he's like, this is what he can do, is the minute we recognize we know nothing. God is greater. Scripture says he is infinitely greater to do exceedingly abundantly beyond what we could ask or think. Our God is so great, so mighty, so big that what even we have contained in the scriptures is not barely scratching the surface. The writers of the New Testament, the disciples said, if we recorded everything Jesus ever did, there wouldn't be enough room in all the libraries of the world to contain it. God is so much bigger. And he's got so much more for us than often what we know. There's so much more we would like to say about this, but it's difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. Verse 12 says, you've been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You're like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. Oh, does this passage of scripture hit me in the chest and bring conviction? As I was reading this this week, I saw a few things that he points out here that I believe are very convicting even to my own life and especially to those who have been Christians a long time. You've maybe grown up in the church. Your parents went to church. They brought you up in church. You maybe made a profession of faith when you were young and you seem to not even remember a Sunday where you weren't involved in church in some respect. 
This, to me, I think is something that should be very convicting to each and every one of us. There are four things really here that I see in this passage. The first is the thing the writer of Hebrews says. Number one, he says, you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. Think about that. This is Christians he's talking to. These aren't lost people. These aren't people that are arguing for atheism or any other way of life. This is the church. And he's saying to the church, you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. God has so much more for you, but you don't or are unable to receive it because you do not listen. That phrase spiritually dull in the original language literally means lazy or sluggish. That with this spiritual laziness also comes a resistance to listen. It comes a resistance to hear. And the question I have is, why is it when people become new believers, that we see new believers, they're typically what we call on fire for God. It's like there's nothing God could ask them to do. They wouldn't be willing to do. They want to do it, and they want to do it right now. Let's go. God, let's set the world on fire for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's make this thing happen. New believers are on fire for the Lord, but those who've been believers a long time, it seems they grow kind of sluggish into an attitude of, you know, I've heard this before. Or that message doesn't really apply to me. It applies to the person down the aisle from me. Oh, pastor, not another sermon on sacrifice and and loving your neighbor as yourself, yada, yada, yada. See, my experience, it can actually be harder to reach longtime church members than it can be to reach those who are far from God, who don't even have God on the radar. Longtime Christians typically can feel like they've heard it before, they have it all together, they know all the Christianese, they have all the do's and don'ts down, and and there really is no need to change. But yet the writer of Hebrews addresses something differently. Number two, he says in verse 12, he says, you have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone else to teach you again the basic things about God's word. He's saying, you know what, the longer you know Christ... The more experience you have, the more knowledge you have, the more you've studied, the more verses you've memorized, the more devotionals you've gone through, the more life groups you've attended, the more ministries you've served in, the more active in mentorship and discipleship that you should be, right? You don't get to a certain age where it's like, okay, I get to check out and take my hands off. He's like, no, the longer you've been a Christian, the more active in discipleship you should be. But in this day and age, it seems there's a disconnect with people. That they feel the the church at some point just exists to teach them, and they forget we don't come to church because we are the church. We don't come to a place and say, that's church. No, I am the church. This is who I am. And God has discipled me so that I, too, can go out into the world to make disciples. This is the essence of evangelism. This is the essence of the gospel for each person who's called on the name of Christ to grow up to a place where they can turn around and lead others to Jesus and raise up an army for the Lord. So why don't we see more people coming to Christ? Well, typically in our culture, we've left the witnessing up to the Sunday service. Why don't we see more people step up into leadership, especially the men in this culture? It's because we're spiritually dull. We don't listen. We don't take the messages preached to heart and and the things we listen to to heart and we strive each day to apply them to our lives. We go to lunch and forget everything that was said. Matthew 4.4, Jesus said, 
No, the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Sunday is not about getting to McDonald's or Wendy's. Sunday is about eating from the Lord's table, absorbing, receiving what he has for us. Every morning we wake up, it's not about the to-do list. It's about communing with God and being sustained by the very one who created the universe. We don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And God doesn't just speak to us through our Bible reading or personal revelation from the Holy Spirit. He also speaks to us through the leaders that he's put over us. Leaders that declare to you what God has pressed on them to encourage and instruct you about how to lead your life. God is the owner of the flock, and, and as the owner, he tells your shepherds how to lead and where to take you to pasture so you can live and grow and flourish in the kingdom of heaven. Right, the pastor of the church, any church you go to, the pastor of the church, God has given him a word on his heart for the church to hear and to understand and apply that message for his glory and the growth of their faith. But we cannot grow if we're not going deeper and putting into action the things that we're being taught. And we cannot fulfill the word of God for the church if we're not teaching others, as Jesus said, to obey all things I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you until even the end of the age. See, you don't retire from spiritual growth in Christian service. This is who we are, not what we do. The third thing I see in this passage, he says, you're like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what's right. Think about it. I think about my own kids in some respects. Have you ever noticed how even though, you know, children, you know, at any age really have only had certain levels of experience, they feel like they're an expert in, like, the subject that they're debating with you on? Have you noticed that? Like, like, like there's something I'm going round and round with one of my sons. Uh, you know, it seems like somebody will say something and be like, no, you're not. No, it isn't. And I'm like, well, do you, have you have experience with that? It's like, no. It's like, well, how do you know? You don't know. Knock it off. You know, it just, it's like they feel like they're an expert in this field, even though they have little to no knowledge or experience with it. And it's funny how they speak as if they're experts on the subject, but couldn't be further from the truth. And I've said it before from, from this platform, and as we relate to Christians as a way to kind of get us in this mind frame that we need to desire to grow in the Lord, that just because you become a Christian or if you've been a Christian a long time, that doesn't make you mature in the Lord. That doesn't make you an expert in the things of God. The writer of Hebrews here says in verse 12 and 13 that those who are immature in the Lord, that they're spiritually babies, they are unable to grasp the deep things of God. They're even unable to understand how to make a right decision. Think about what that means. They're unable. You think about my children. They think they're an expert, but they don't know. They're unable to make a right decision in that area because they just have no concept or knowledge, no matter how convinced they are that they're an expert. You know, this is why Scripture prohibits new believers or what the Scripture calls a novice for spiritual leadership. You can be a novice and have been saved your whole life. It's about your spiritual growth and your maturity in the Lord. Why aren't novices or new Christians permitted to be leaders in the church? It's because they haven't grown in order to be able to handle it. A person who lives on spiritual milk is unable to take the next step of faith, nor have the wisdom to lead others. Just as a child who never sits up 
is not going to be able to, in turn, walk or run. They, they won't develop the core muscles and the strength necessary to perform that motor function. The same is true for Christians who don't grow. The problem with many Christians is that because they're spiritually dull and they do not listen, they argue that they're mature. They, they argue that they know how everything should be done. They can tell every leader how, how what they do isn't right and, and how they should do things a different way. They want to correct everything that you teach, but they can't get the bottle out of their mouth. They have this narrow view of God and the Bible and the Christian life because they've never ventured past the diaper stage. They're never going to be at the place where they can be where God really wants to use them because they just haven't grown. Number four, he says, solid food is for those who are mature, who through training, somebody say through training, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. Spiritual growth cannot be achieved through laziness. It cannot be achieved when we let fear and anxiety and security and inability hold us back from taking the first step. Think about a baby as it's learning to walk. First, it has to roll over on the ground. And after it rolls over enough and builds cord strength, it can begin to crawl. And as it begins to crawl, then eventually it builds up enough strength to pull themselves up on a couch or a counter, something to enable them to stand. And then eventually they have to let go of what they're holding on to and take that step and wobble out to see if they can walk. And oftentimes, children fall more times than they walk. But the more they go through that process, the more they put effort into that process, the more they are trained to be able to perform that function. And we, too, have to be willing to put down the bottle, to take the first bite of solid food. We have to be willing as Christians to pull ourselves up, venture off into the, the unknown with our hands off, taking that first step if we want to grow in the Lord. 1 Corinthians 13, 11, Paul told the church of Corinth, said, when I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. You know, the problem with legalism and religiosity in the church is that it fosters, that, it fosters the belief that someone has arrived or they've grown up, they've matured because they have all the rules down, all the lingo down. It fosters this belief that, that they've matured because they've become sub, somehow spiritually superior to other people because they're not up at that level. But religiosity and legalism only blinds you to the fact that you stopped growing and are stuck crawling or waiting in the high chair for your next bottle. Growing up is hard to do. And it often comes with conflict and tension. But all of it serves as the battleground or training ground for who you can become in Jesus Christ. As a child of God, if you're going to grow in the Lord and your understanding and your experiences... Your current level of spiritual growth has to be challenged. God's not content with keeping you where you are. There is much more he has for you. And if you don't go through the tension, then you'll miss your opportunity to grow. And one of the first words babies learn is the word mind. They become very possessive. Not to mention it seems like Feeding or eating time revolves around their schedule. Sleep time revolves around their schedule. And they find it very difficult to submit to the authority over them. All right? They're learning the rules. They're learning how life works. And the same is true for the spiritually immature. 
The spiritually immature are blinded by pride. They, they think they know better, that they're more capable, they have a better understanding, that they, they've got no room to grow, but yet what is usually re- revealed is their pride and immaturity. And I know this in my own life. I used to believe that I had everything figured out in the ministry. I have been involved in a few different ministries. I used to believe that I knew how to run a ministry better than others, that I could lead better, or that, that I had better ideas, and God provided me the opportunity to figure it out. And you know what I found? I didn't know what the heck I was doing. Was I more wise or more capable? No. I was actually blinded by a lot of pride. And God had to break me down and train me before I could be built back up. And I woke up to the truth of my spiritual immaturity, and it put me on a quest to go deeper with the Lord. I've even taken steps in my own life to grow. My understanding as, as a pastor, just because I occupy a title, doesn't make me spiritually mature. So I'm taking steps in my own life to grow. I rolled back into school. I'm taking classes online so I can continue to grow in my knowledge and my understanding. My wife and I, we're, we're venturing out together in an unusual facets of ministry because of the Holy Spirit is taking us into uncharted territory. Why? Because we want to grow. We want to know God more. We want to see God use us in greater ways. So as believers, if we're, if we're going to grow in the Lord, if to move from milk to meat, we have to desire it. We have to desire it, and then we have to work at it. We have to be trained so that we're prepared for the next level in our faith journey. Training requires more than just listening to sermons and, and, and our uh, five-minute devotional. On, on, a, on a morning. It requires acting on what we've learned and applying it to our lives, even if it's uncomfortable or scary, to implement these things, these concepts and challenges, and see how God works through our faith. And it's vital for our Christian lives. It's vital that we desire to go deeper. It's vital that we step out in faith and begin to grow, because it's an expectation of every child of God that your faith is going to grow. Colossians chapter 2, verse 7 Paul tells the church of Colossians, he says, let your roots grow down into him. Let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. This verse is not only an expectation of the church, but it's a plea to Christians everywhere to seek spiritual growth. Let your roots grow down deep because when you grow, so will your faith. Your faith will be strong. You'll overflow with thankfulness to God for all that he's doing in your life because you're going to see and experience him in a very real way. You'll be amazed and humbled at the same time of what God accomplishes in you and through you. There's more to the Christian life than being able to summarize Bible stories and, 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 and the like. I mean, haven't you ever felt as you have been walking with God and, and trusting you know, listening to sermons and, and, and praying and trying to figure this Christian thing out, haven't you ever wondered deep down that there's got to be more than what I'm experiencing? There's got to be something more than this. I'm reading, I'm seeing all these amazing things in the Scripture, and yet my life doesn't seem to be reflecting that. There's got to be more than what I've experienced, and there is. There's much more. There's more to the Christian life than being able to summarize Bible stories. We read about all these miraculous things and the power available to every believer to do the will of God, but many times that experience falls short. And yet, there's still this yearning deep within to see and experience God in a real way, for faith to be made sight. 
And I believe this is why we are to grow in our faith, to pursue God, but with actual experience living our faith. We're to pursue God and yet let that faith really lead us into an actual experience so that we can grow and we can trust and God can bring to fruition the things that we've read about and believed can be made sight all through the scripture. But many don't go beyond Bible facts and stories because they become spiritually dull, deaf, which makes them unteachable and able to grow. And Jesus approaches this or deals with this in Matthew chapter 13 in a very famous parable. Matthew 13 says this, Later, the same day Jesus left the house and sat beside the lake, a large crowd soon gathered around him. He got into a boat, and then he sat there and taught as the people stood on the shore. He told many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across the field, some seeds fell on a footpath. The birds came and ate them, and other seeds fell in the shallow soil and the underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plants soon wilted under the hot sun. And since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the other tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. His disciples came and asked him, why do you use parables when you talk to people? And he replied, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given, and they will have an abundance of knowledge. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. That is why I use these parables, for they look, but they don't really see. They hear, but they don't really listen or understand. This fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah that says, When you hear what I say, you will not understand, and when you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened, and their ears cannot hear. They have closed their eyes, so their eyes cannot see. And their ears cannot hear, and their hearts cannot understand, and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. But blessed are your eyes, because they see, and your ears, because they hear. And I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but they didn't see it. And they long to hear what you hear, but they didn't hear it. Now, did you catch what Jesus said? He said, those who listen to my teaching, verse 12, more understanding will be given, and they will have abundance of knowledge. Those who listen are going to grow. He said, but those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have, will be taken away from them. In verse 16, or 17 rather, he says, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but they didn't see it. This, I believe, is a correlation to even what he's talking to in the modern day followers of Christ in that time, where he says, those who are not listening, even what they have will be taken away. There are people who, they would claim they are among the righteous. They're religious. They may even stand as, as spiritual leaders in some respect, but because they're not growing, because they've closed their ears and their eyes to the Lord, they've stopped growing, that they will long to see and hear what others are seeing and hearing because they've stopped listening. And the little understanding they have is going to be taken away from them. They're going to miss out on what other people are doing. They're going to see the faith of others, see how God's working in other people's lives, and they're going to be like, God, why aren't you doing that through me? Why aren't you working through me? 
And maybe it's because you stopped growing. You stopped seeking. You stopped going deeper. See, the spiritually dull and deaf who refuse to grow, who cover their eyes and ears, who refuse to go deeper, maybe not out of a a public protest, but an inward prideful condition where they refuse to step out to where it's uncomfortable and be trained by the Lord, they are unable to listen. They're unable because of their spiritual condition. And the Lord says they'll have what they have received taken away. But yet those who are eager to learn Those who are listening for the Lord, those who go out into the training fields will be given more understanding, more knowledge, and in turn will have greater faith. And this is so important for us as Christians. If you don't listen, you won't be able to grow. Where's your heart today? Do you, as a follower of Christ, desire to grow? in your knowledge, in your understanding, in your relationship with God? Do you desire deep within you for God to work in you, move through you, to show you his ways, to reveal the depth and greatness of who he is? Are you eager to be trained by the Lord, to be taken from where it's comfortable, to step out in faith and watch God do something amazing in the hearts and lives of people around you? Are you eager to move from milk to meat? his disciples were. And they approached him and they asked him for the revelation of this parable. And Jesus said in verse 18, he says, now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. He says, the seeds fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom of God and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seeds that was planted in their hearts. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. But the seed that fell on the good soil, those who truly hear and understand God's word, And they produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as has been planted. What type of soil are you today, church? What type of ground are you today? See, God is casting seeds all over the place. Seeds fall on many places, but it's only the good soil that's going to take root and grow. It's only the good soil that takes root and produces fruit. This is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. This is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control, the things that are produced in the life of a person filled with the Spirit. These are the gifts of the Spirit that God uses to empower the church to do uh, and proclaim the message of the gospel. And this is also the evidence of people coming to faith in Christ Jesus, coming and souls coming to Christ in faith by the testimony of those who are listening to the Lord. What kind of soil are you? Are you producing fruit today? And if you're honest, maybe you would say, you know what? You're spiritually dull and deaf because honestly, Satan has stolen the seed from your footpath. And right now, your faith is just next to non-existent. You've been under attack, and you know what? You're just not seeing a lot of fruit. And so you're questioning whether or not this faith thing is even worth it. 
Maybe you're the rocky path and you started off strong, but these problems and trials pulled you away and kept you from growing and now you're stuck in this place of apathy. Maybe your seed was choked out by the weeds because of your worries and your, your love of, of pleasure and of riches and money and, and selfish gain is more of a God to you than Jesus is and so you've pulled away. Whatever the case is today, God's desire is for you to begin to grow. And it's your attitudes and your priorities that are going to determine what kind of soil you're going to be. It is your attitude and your priorities that are going to determine what type of soil you're going to be. And see, Satan's charm, our enemy, his charm, his character, his nature is revealed in pride and in rebellion. And it's the prideful that says, I don't need to grow. I'm good where I am. That's all for other people. It's your attitude and your priorities that are going to determine if you keep drinking from the bottle, hoping for those feel-good messages that, that make you smile, that leave you unchanged, or desiring to eat the meat from the Lord's table that's going to transform your life. Where we got the title of this message series comes really from a family story. I was told this story about my sister-in-law, Laura, who's present here today. So, Laura, you're making the message today. Everyone look at Laura and stare at her very, very, very awkwardly. All right. You're welcome. Um, I was told this story. She was about, you know, she was young. I don't know, like two years old, somewhere around there. But she was being babysat by her Aunt Tina. And for whatever reason, that was back when tape recorders were, were uh, you know, popular. And so uh, someone had a tape recorder and was just recording this interaction between the two. And I guess she had a plate of, of chicken or fried chicken or something. And she was being, um, what I would say, rebellious and not eating her, her dinner. And so her Aunt Laura or Aunt Tina started saying in a commanding voice, you need to eat the meat. You know, eat the meat. And uh, she thought it was quite funny. So she started mocking her by saying, I eat the meat. I eat the meat. And so that's kind of like a thing that goes around in our family. Uh, we, we tell our kids sometime, you know, quit messing around, eat the meat, you know, and uh, go back and forth. But as I, I think about that story, I think about how you have, you know, Aunt Tina has provided this meal that she knows is going to nourish Laura's body. It's going to make her strong, help her grow, and yet she was resisting and, and kind of mocking. But I look at that, and I think this is God's heart for us. He knows what's good for us. He knows what he's placed and prepared for us at the table for us to eat. He knows what he wants to do through us and in us. He knows how he wants our, our faith to grow, but yet so often we're so stubborn and spiritually lazy that instead of eating what he's prepared, we say, not for me today. And here God is telling us, and all through his word, from Genesis to Revelation, he's calling out to his people to eat the meat. Eat the meat. Grow. Be strengthened. Become who I designed you to be before the foundation of the world. And he's waiting for us to agree by saying, I eat the meat. And not just to say it, but to actually do it. To take what we read and act upon it in faith to let God train us and grow our understanding. And so all through this series, 
We're going to dive into the Word of God, and we're going to unpack some deep things of God, some things that may seem rudimentary, other things might be very difficult to understand. But the goal is for us as Vertical Life Church, as we approach this study, that we approach it with a willing mind that says, God, I'm going to eat the meat. Stretch me, train me, grow me, change me, that I might have an abundance of thankfulness and understanding. And rejoice in who you are and who you created me to be. My prayer for us as we go through this series is that we don't stay spiritually dull, that we don't keep reaching for the bottle, but we accept each challenge and take the next step in our spiritual journey, however the Lord may lead. That we grow deeper in the Lord so we can encourage each other by our faith. Let's bow our heads for prayer today as we go into a time of response man begins to play. I want you to ask yourself this question. Really think to yourself. Am I different today than I was yesterday? Has my faith grown? Am I different today than what I was even last year? Am I moving forward in my faith? Am I growing in my knowledge, my understanding? Am I growing in my confidence of God? Am I seeing the fruit of the Spirit manifest in my life? Am I seeing the gifts manifest in my life? Because my faith, my connection with God is growing. Ask yourself today, do I love God more today? Or is this whole church thing growing tiresome? If you can honestly admit that, you know what, Pastor Joey, I've not been growing in my faith. I'm stuck. For whatever reason, maybe it's because I've been under spiritual attack. Maybe it's because of the worries of this life. Whatever the case is, I'm not sure why my roots aren't growing down deep. I'm not sure why I'm not producing fruit. But wherever the cause is, whatever the cause is right here today, I can say my faith has not been growing. Matter of fact, it's probably been going the other direction. But I want my faith to grow. I want to be changed. I want to be set free from this apathy and this, this blind eye, dull-hearted state of mind. And I want to be able to listen and hear, receive and understand all that God has for me. If that's you here today, right where you are, I invite you to pray this prayer aloud with me. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And right now, we're going to just ask God to do a work in the heart's of the church today. Right where you are, just pray this with me. Say, Father in heaven, I've not been growing in my faith. I am the same today as I was yesterday. But I know your will is for me to grow, to move from milk to meat. And so today, I ask you to train me I give you permission to stretch me, to challenge me, to push me, and to open my eyes through this series to the deep things of God and all the teaching to come so I might know and understand you in a deeper way, that my faith will grow and that I would be rooted firmly in your truth. Forgive me 
of being spiritually dull, spiritually deaf. Open my ears to hear and rekindle my heart that I would remain in step with you. God, I give you my fears. I give you all my insecurities. I place all my faith in you, Jesus. We just pray this as a church. God, that we would never be stuck. That we would continue to move forward as your people. God, you said the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. That means the church continues to grow, continues to move, continues to take ground in this kingdom battle. God, let us never stay stuck in negativity. Let us never stay stuck in hopelessness. God, our hope is secured in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Don't let us ever get to the place, Father, where we think we've arrived, we know enough. We don't need this. God, take us deeper. Draw us into who you are, Jesus. Now, God, as we go into this time of response, I just pray, Lord, your Holy Spirit would move in power. As people come forward to pray for needs, as you move in hearts to give testimony of the good things that, that you've done, Father, I pray now as we rejoice together as a church, God, that you just reveal your will for us here in this place. Lord, we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand up together. As the band begins to sing, we'll be down here for a time of prayer. Maybe God has done a great work in your life this week. You have a reason to give testimony. We have the microphone down here. For those of you that want to share a word to encourage the church, I'll also be down here to pray, but let's go to the Lord and let's just lay ourselves down at his altar today in Jesus' name. Are you hurt?